and we are live. Seth, how are we doing? I am great. How are you doing, Matt? Good. You know, we're pretty well rested. We we took our summer vacation and then we recorded a bunch of episodes, but we didn't put them out. So it's kind of like we just continued the, the break. And it's <laughs> October 24th. It's a, a beautiful, crisp Tuesday night in D.C. And we're getting the mojo back. This is this is going to be the start of a new streak. We've got, you know, probably like six or seven weeks of, of high quality content we're going to be putting up before we get to our year end reflection episode and then the year ahead. <laughs> looking ahead episode it's basically already summer 2024 it's basically already summer 2024 and you know when we get to summer it we've had crypto summer we've had ai summer we have a new summer coming next summer we don't, we don't even know what it's going to be is it a crypto summer again crypto's oh. up 10 percent today oh are we are we back to a crypto summer oh baby also like i texted you offline uh my spotify stock which i invested in and, and shared my investment thesis about and actually is the subject of one of my bullets is also up 10% today. So yeah, we're, everyone's doing great. Bitcoin owners are doing great. Spotify holders are doing great. So why is Spotify up 10%? They crushed earnings. I didn't really look into it that deeply, but the like two second TLDR is they did better than mm. was expected. I don't know what drove that though. Um, that's, I probably should have been prepared for that. Spotify. Yeah, that's the, the most obvious question. Yeah. Just as unexpected profit. Wow, we're still uh, we're still getting our off-season jitters out of the way. News, Spotify. It does seem like they just basically had better revenue. Yeah, like they cost. raised their subscription price by a dollar. That seemed to help them. Yeah, cost-cutting profit for the third quarter. It's first quarterly profit in a year and a half. That's pretty good. Uh, raised. Does price. anybody use Apple Music anymore? Is that a thing? Do people use Apple Music? I actually don't know a single person who uses Apple Music, but in theory, millions of people do. <laughs> there are millions of people, but we don't know any of them. It's like <laughs> the it's like the Tobias maybe like there are dozens of us. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what there should be a meme at someone like with an Apple Music on their phone. <laughs> there are dozens <laughs> of us. Yeah, but apparently there are like millions of dozens of them because there's like 40 million plus Apple Music users. This is also it wasn't where I wanted to start, but it's actually. Uh, a surprising thing that we were chatting about the other night that I think people take for granted is that Apple's actually a really good software company. I think a lot of people think, you yeah. know, great hardware company, obviously legendary with hardware. Uh, their operating systems are really good, but I don't think people give them enough credit for actually building good software applications. And uh, if you look at like the camera, no one really tries to combat the camera. It's just a really good product. They invest a ton of AI into it every year. It gets better and better. Uh, it's really deeply integrated with their hardware, which I think is their sweet spot of like this integrated hardware and software. Um, Apple Music, they kind of pioneered the category. It was iTunes. And now even so, we're, we're making fun of it, but it's like a 40 million user product. Uh, they're really good. They're really good at what they do. They are. Yeah, it, it is amazing that they dropped the ball though on iTunes to Apple Music. I think was part of it that they were trying to get people to still buy music for 99 cents for too long. And then Spotify came in and basically disrupted it and they they didn't move quick enough yeah yeah exactly it's like classic disruption theory is your business model gets in the way of you moving to the right strategy right yeah yeah i think they still sell 99 you can still buy 99 cent songs they probably okay. make a lot of money off of it <laughs> yeah i think you can it's also surprising to me that apple never bought spotify you would think that at some point back in the day they would have just been like you know what this is too much of a threat and it's good that we have 
we integrate this like we should just be mm. the music especially when music is their dna and spotify was starting to rise when steve jobs was still alive like i would have thought that that would have been more on his radar but i don't but know they don't they don't buy companies like that really do they they do i mean they've made acquisitions i i don't what are they doing with their 300 billion dollars in cash but, but like typically aren't the acquisitions they make more like like I don't know. It seems like more like technology backend stuff or things they can integrate into their own products versus like a brand. I can't think of the last yeah. brand that Apple bought. Yeah. Although in, in theory, they would have just rebranded it as Apple Music and shut down Spotify and they would have taken the technology and right. like, done streaming themselves. Uh, at least earlier, it, they would have. It basically would have been just taking out a competitor. Um, right. Which, exactly. That's yeah. really what it was in the end of the yeah. day is just here's a big threat. And it's a big threat in anything that is like a really big part of the DNA and fabric of Apple, which is music. And right. uh, we're just going to make sure that we own this. Right. No, totally. It is funny, though, that they still, although obviously there's the whole controversy of Apple taking the cut of Spotify's um, mm -hmm. revenue. Does Spotify let you do pay through the app anymore or do they only let you subscribe through the web app to prevent any of the revenue going to Apple? It's a great question. I don't know. Um, I subscribed so long ago that I, yeah, asked, I don't know either. Um, yeah, this is like yeah. since college. I, I've i just been like on auto pay to Spotify. And honestly, Spotify is if you like took away all my services and said you can only pick one, what would it be? It would be Spotify. Like that would be the one that I would choose. Well, it's funny because I would. But on the other hand, would I be okay using Apple Music? I'm sure I would be completely fine using Apple Music. It's it's probably a very I don't know. I've never I mean I haven't used Apple Music. So so yeah. I don't know. But I mean it's at the end of the day, it I, I it might not be as great. Like I, I like using Spotify, but I would be curious uh if it terrible, is it fine? I mean it could be fun to try it out for a few weeks and see see what it's like. Sure. As a purely like intellectual, like, no, I'm only I'm only gonna do Spotify. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, just from like a pure consumption standpoint, Spotify is like the thing I use by far the most. If you look yeah, at my consumption yeah. over the course of the year when we do Wrapped every year, it's like I listen to an average of two hours of podcast content a day. I want to have speed, so that's an hour and twenty minutes, and then I listen to music all day while I work. Like it's by far the thing I use the most. I would pay way more money to keep Spotify. Like if they, my elasticity is pretty high or inelasticity, whichever one means that I'm stickier. Uh, I, I'm not an econ major. Elastic, I think, means you'd pay more, I think. Yeah, I think that's right. Yeah, and so I... Macroeconomics, 101. Yeah, yeah, I... <laughs> not my strong suit. But I uh, I would pay a lot of money to keep Spotify. Like, if they kept raising prices, I would keep doing Maybe it. Micro, sorry, I think it's microeconomics. Technically micro. <laughs> I was going to call you out on that one. <laughs> People are, man, all the econ heads are tuning out right now. They thought we lost all our credibility with the econ majors. <laughs> so I am, I'm glad we came to Spotify. I actually wasn't planning to start here, but this is one of the bullet points I wrote down. Okay, I have, I have a half-baked theory that I've written down as Kindle, Spotify, and the universal theory of content. And mm -hmm. here's, I'll, I'll like layer in a few disparate thoughts and then I'm not really sure where this is going to go, but we'll see. Um, so one thing I've been talking to you about over the last week is improvements that I believe can be made to Kindle. It's a really great device. It's something I use every day and love. It's uh, in a lot of ways, like really well done, but in some ways I think it falls a little bit short. And one of the ways that, I or a few of the ways I think it falls short, it are mainly tied to the fact that it's like 
an Amazon ecosystem product where it's very hard to take the data that goes into it and share it anywhere else or to like send new data to it. So if I want to read a book that I bought from Amazon on it, great. Like that's exactly what it's designed to do. If I want to send articles to it to read on it, because that's my dedicated reading device. And I would love to be able to do that. There is an extension where you can do that, but it's, it's hard to like, I can't programmatically do that. Or I was at least trying to do it over the weekend and integrate it with blanking. And it was hard. Um, then when I'm reading it, there are often times where I'm reading and let's say I'm reading, like I read, we both read the Musk biography, uh, over the last few weeks early carve out. And uh, I could highlight, which is great. And there's a scribe where I could, could in theory, take notes on it, which is cool. But I would love to be able to just take notes on the book as I'm reading it, which in theory, I should be able to do because there's a keyboard connected to the device. And I should be able to just add a note in addition to highlighting. Uh, I should be able to do things like add bionic reading, which is something we've chatted about. Also, and here's where it, where it gets into the universal theory of content is like books, like I guess like, all of this is just content, whether it's a book, an article, a podcast, these are all kind of like interchangeably content, but there are different applications where you go to consume all these things. So if I want to listen to music, I go to Spotify. If I want to listen to podcasts, I go to Spotify. If I want to read a book, I go to Kindle. If I want to read an article, I go to the ARC browser. But in theory, I should just be able to do all this in one place because it's all just content. And if I even want to take that one step further, like let's say I want to turn a... Uh, book into audio, kind of like Speechify, which we've talked about in the past and which I use during business school to turn my PDF cases into um, into audiobooks that I could listen to, then like that was a thing. The technology exists to be able to do this. And I should be able to do that with articles, with books. Like I shouldn't, there shouldn't be a distinction between an audiobook and a book. All this should, in my mind, just be content and could in theory live in one application and even in one device. So that's kind of just like where all the ideas are swimming in my head. I don't know if you have a reaction to that, but uh, it started there. Are, I guess a few things you could react to. One is improvements to the Kindle. Another is this universal universal theory of content and eventually having all this merge into just one application. But uh, the last thing I will just say on this is I think it's actually an opportunity for Spotify where now that they're going into audiobooks and they're really like blurring the line between any form of content that you can listen to. I think that it's like a very short line to draw from there back to like written content as well. And I wouldn't be shocked if at some future point, you're not just listening to stuff on Spotify, but you're also like reading articles or turning audiobooks or podcasts into things that you can read uh, and vice versa, because the technology exists to interchange audio and text. So react to any of the above. Yes. Uh, so, so I really like the branding of the universal theory of content. I think that this is very brandable. This is a great framework that could do very well. Um, and so, so I guess a couple, a couple things come to mind first in terms of, in terms of like one app that would, would do everything. Uh, I guess first the question is, do we do we need, like, how much do we need that? Or I'm trying, it kind of like makes me think about what are the apps and devices that I use, right? Um, so there's like the, if you think of like, okay, one device that can kind of do everything, that's kind of the iPad, right? Because it's, you you can just do more with like an iPad screen than a Kindle screen because the Kindle is e-ink and it's just 
it's very good for reading, but not as good for. So it's it's interesting how the Kindle device, it's almost like as a result of it being a Kindle and e-ink, that makes it really good for reading. But it's, yes, you could take notes on it. Uh, I think the Kindle Scribe does make it easier to take notes, but it's not, it might not be as easy as taking notes on an iPad, right? Mm, um, yeah. Or how do you integrate all of those things? Or how much, or, or yeah. Um, I think that what makes more sense to me almost is, or, or where kind of I'm more curious uh, is like Spotify adding more content and, and potentially becoming m- right. Like more of a place where, where, cause right. They're, they're basically trying to get, they're starting with all audio content. Right. And, and maybe that's where they stay. And I, I am super intrigued about the audiobook feature that they're, so they're, I think you can already buy audiobooks on Spotify, which I didn't know was even an option, but they're going to start including, I think it's like 10 hours of listening to audiobooks per month or some, something like that. And yeah. Um, 15 hours a month and then you can buy more if, if, if you want which is pretty like I don't know I'm I'm intrigued because I don't currently listen to audiobooks but I also maybe if it was available I would consider trying it out or if I like you know I, I think I would consider trying out listening to an audiobook if it was available and included in the subscription um so I'm, I'm curious about it I, I don't know if it'll stick for me but but um I could see that being I could see a lot of people really liking that though, because a lot of people do listen to audiobooks. Would they? And the the one thing that comes to mind in terms of okay, taking audiobook and making it uh, text or, or vice versa is there's just a lot of like legal copyright issues, which is like you aren't allowed to like turn up. Like I think the reason like does Kindle have a feature where where it'll read out the book to you, or like I think it might not be able to do that because it's. Like if you buy the audiobook, issue. yes. Right. Only if you buy the rights to it, basically. Yeah. Which is kind of annoying, but interesting, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I, I don't know where you can take any of that in any, any direction that, that you want. Yeah. No, it's fair. I think that the way that it makes most sense to me is maybe not like I'm kind of putting audiobooks in its own category because I'm actually kind of with you where I'm skeptical how well that's going to do for Spotify. But I think there is. Uh, the thing I can see much more clearly is turning articles and like shorter form content mm. into something you can listen to that is in the voice of either the author or like someone you choose to listen to. Uh, kind of like Speechify, where like it would just take the PDF yeah. and test it and then it would read it to me. And that I can totally buy. Like I can totally buy a world in which um, kind of similarly to how I listen to podcasts, I can like queue up an article that I wanted to listen to. Mm. And it can take it. And if I've, if it's either like not behind a paywall, it can just do it. Or if it's behind a paywall, I can show that I have access to it. And then uh, I can just listen to it as is. And I would think that it would be a good thing for all these different uh, companies like the Washington Post, the Atlantic, whoever, the Ringer, whoever, because um, it's a potential revenue stream. Like it's, it, and it's also a way to make your content stickier. It's just like another way to make it easier for mm. you to be able to listen to your content. Yep. Or consume your content and even i know like if you go to newyorktimes.com now there are some articles i think actually all articles were on newyorktimes.com you can re- get the article read to you by bai that new mm. york uses but i i think that it's just like i just think that it makes more sense for that to live within spotify so a, a couple thoughts there first uh i have a business idea based based on this so i i really like the idea of media companies 
being able to very easily allow you to basically send an article to Spotify or send it to, it could be any, in theory, any podcast player. The way that this would work is you could essentially have a private RSS feed that would only be for you that you could subscribe to on any podcast player, including Spotify. So there'd be like a small amount of setup. And then after that, if you were on any like media company that would have this button on their on their um, article, you could press that button and then you could uh, you could automatically send that article to your own podcast player and you could send it through AI. So it would um, it would be read in whatever voice you choose. Now, that could be like a Chrome extension that anyone could use, basically. So that could be kind yeah. of cool just just for that. And you could just use it anywhere on the Internet. But it could also potentially be something that these media companies purchase and then integrate it directly into their sites. So it's like, oh, listen to this later and press this button. And it'll it would like prompt you to to, to set it up and save. So I think either one could be interesting, but I I I do that is kind of cool. Um I yeah. can see myself using that myself or trying it out. Totally. And I'm gonna go one step further here. I'm gonna we're gonna do okay. a an acquisition alert. Here's here's a prediction. I think Spotify should buy Speechify. I think it'd be it'd make a ton of sense. <laughs> One, you get both the ifis together. Uh, two, though, I, I think more seriously, oh. more seriously, they would just get this functionality right off the bat. And I think they they could build it out themselves. But I think the other thing you get is you get training data from Speechify, which has been working on this for years and years uh, to turn audio into or text into audio. Uh, and with using that Chrome extension, like they've, they've done a lot of this work. I think it's a really natural acquisition for them to make. Oh, so Speechify does the, what I described already, basically. Very similarly, but it goes to their Speechify app. Yes. I see. You can't put it to like your own podcast player. You have to use their app. I haven't used it since I graduated, but no, uh, as far as, as of my, my cutoff is May, 2022. And prior to my cutoff, that was not functionality that you could use. <laughs> this is cool is speechify a big company i think they're doing pretty well i think they're last i checked i think they're worth like 100 million dollars wow they That's were crazy. their founder's really cool too he's a nice guy i got connected to him because he i was trying to negotiate a discount like a bulk discount discount for uh business school students and when i reached out the ceo was like wait holy shit this is a really cool uh business channel for us that we didn't really consider because there are a lot of people who spend a lot of money on business school would probably spend an extra 150 bucks a year just to get the service. And uh, yeah, I was, I chatted with him about it before really smart guy and very cool, but uh, really cool service. Yeah. It's interesting looking at them. It seems like they, like they have an AI almost like, they think they have an API. It seems like that you can potentially use to use their AI. I'm actually not sure if they have an API, but they do have like a ability to, create ai voices um in almost like a descript type situation um interesting yeah because huh. i i guess like going back to this i think that there is probably still a distinction between things you listen to and things you read and i think it's okay for those to live on separate devices like i'm not sure i want to read things from spotify but i do think that i want to listen to more things on spotify and i think there is a total a world that i can foresee where there are so many articles I queue up but never read because I like open the browser tab and I never go back to it. 
but I spend so much time in Spotify that if I could just add it to Spotify really quickly, there's yeah usually a time throughout the week where I'm in the car or I'm just like off somewhere and I want something to listen to. And I never think, oh, well, I could, you know, consume that article that I wanted to read because it's just not right. an option while I'm out, but it could be. And I think that's a missed opportunity for a lot of these companies, except for the fact that a lot of these media publications now have their own podcasts that they create. Although I think if they could still get more juice out of articles that they've written in addition to like get it, I don't know, for like The Ringer, for example, it, I get that they have a, a million different podcasts, but I would also like to be able to read their articles sometimes uh, just by listening to them and not by reading them directly. So that was right. one. And then for reading too, there is a big benefit to me to the Kindle being an e-ink screen. Like that is actually a- huge Oh, definitely. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's a really good thing. I just, I, I can't imagine- that there isn't a way to build like a good high powered keyboard on an e-ink display. And maybe that's just not there yet. And maybe Amazon is the best position to do this in a future iteration of the, of the uh, Kindle. But I would imagine that there would be a way for me to take good notes on an e-ink display in the same way that I would like use my iPad. Uh, and I would get the benefits of it being an e-ink display. So it wouldn't like hurt my, it wouldn't expose me to a ton of blue light before I go to bed and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, on the Kindle, yeah, I I, I agree. I, I think that um, what kind of notes do you want to take? Like just notes about like the um, how do you do you look back at do you take notes right now? Do you look back at notes that you take for books? Uh, so what I was doing over the summer, I got like very into this while I was building blanking because I wanted to use it as an opportunity to like use the platform. And so yeah. as I was reading books, like I was reading Amazon Unbound. And as I was reading it, I would like read it during the day and simultaneously have my phone with me. And whenever I had a thought that I wanted to write down, I would then pick up my phone and add it. Um, I think an even better version of this though would be if I could just do that on the app directly or on the Kindle directly and have it tied to the exact passage that made me think that. And I could export those notes. Um, right now, I'm not aware of a way to be able to get that data out of Amazon. Like I'm not even sure how Readwise gets that data, honestly, um, on your highlights, but it'd be cool to be able to export that data too. I think that there's a page that your highlights get saved to on Amazon. And I think they might scrape that page. And I'm uh, not 100% sure. Interesting. I, I do know there's a way it's to like get Kindle that. Highlights, it's like Kindle.com. It's like highlights.kindle.com or something like that, I think. Gotcha. Yeah, Amazon also makes it notoriously hard to scrape their site. So I'm surprised that they let that happen. Yeah, or Kindle dot highlights. I, I don't know. Yeah, but that, that probably is because I've looked up multiple times with if there's an API for or a public API for but, getting Kindle information and there's not. Right. The thing is, at the end of the day, like Amazon like they like that it's a walled garden they don't they don't want to open this up really right oh like, totally yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you can imagine how like uh there's a potentially big business to be built on top of getting that data out of kindle because like we've talked about it goodreads stinks it, it can do so much so many more things if you had access to that data like you can get better recommendations you can build a better social app on top of it uh Similarly, if you could send articles to that too, that's more data to then feed in to your profile to say, oh, this person likes this kind of content and this is what they read. And you can get actual like reading statistics, like not just, oh, he downloaded this book, but this is what they actually read. This is what they interacted Good. with. There's so much more you could do with the data from Kindle and it's just untapped because it's all in that walled garden. Yeah. 
Gooder Reads still still out there. Still, a, still out uh, there. Still out there. Yeah, and that's what it that's what it basically came down to is that it was just it was impossible to get that data out. I'm sure there's a way to do it, but it was very hard to be able to get that data out of Kindle. Um, so it's hard to really do anything with it. Yeah, I still I need to play around again with with like the idea of good or reads of just book recommendations with AI. Cause I, I still think it's a very good use case for AI. Um, yeah. And no one, I haven't seen any, I mean, maybe yeah, I, I haven't seen anything. Uh, yeah. I would also think it's like the perfect, like you could get, you could build a moat around your data that you collect. If you actually build your own model and are not just using GPT four or five or whatever version comes out. Cause yeah. you actually like reinforce the data that you have with, here's what people actually acted on or read or liked or like mm. if you start to own that data and other people don't then it like it just gives you more of an advantage yeah i still really like the idea of, of a new goodreads i think it's a yeah i think it's a great idea still i agree using ai the up the other place that my mind goes is that is i know people have tried to build competitors to the competitors to the kindle and none of them have i think really succeeded but it still seems like an opportunity that someone and well let's i think where probably where your mind is going to is the new um these new vr uh reading glasses what's the company called soul i'm not yeah, soul. On it, though do you know much about it or no so we have actually talked about it on a past episode uh we talked about okay. it like six months ago where um this guy was i believe oh right this, yeah this guy was i think on invest like the best and he was talking about how uh like kindle is not that great there should be a better uh single purpose device and he had this whole thesis around like single purpose devices there should be more of them that's why this thing exists and what the soul reader is is it's a pair of glasses that you wear and a controller that you hold in your hand to and that has like a forward back button and a way to get to the menu uh, but i think it's just like glasses with what appears to be an e-ink display in your in your lens and yeah it's a way to like read the books. And um, I even think they do that thing where like they can show you a word at a time and like speed through it at some words per minute. So you can like read it faster. But uh, yeah, it, it's like, a I haven't used it. So I don't know all the details, but it's a device that's dedicated to reading and it's a pair of glasses that you wear. Yes, I'm very curious. Uh, I think it's very cool. It's one of those things that until you use it, it's hard to know if it's actually something you would want to use or is it something yeah. that's kind of feel natural or not feel natural like is it actually going to beat holding a book which is you know what humans have been doing for thousands of years or um is it going to be comfortable i don't know but it's, yeah. it's a really cool idea i'd love to try it out yeah i think it'd be cool to try out maybe we'll if we the podcast ever takes off and we ever make money from it i think that we'll use the funds that we get all the revenue that we generate to like put into a fun fund where <laughs> we just get to explore this technology um do you have well, any the soul? On? The soul is also only three hundred and fifty bucks. So uh, yeah, it's not expensive actually. Do you have? Uh, do you have any thoughts on the thesis of there should be more single-use devices? Because oh, I'm, I'm I'm very pro single-use device. I love I love the idea of. Oh, uh, okay. Talked about see, this before, but trying to sell me because I'm anti. Oh, you're anti. Um, yeah. Well, I guess the Kindle is the perfect example where you you need like. I think the reason the Kindle works and maybe the soul will work too is like the e-ink is is the differentiator. I guess soul is taking that to the next level where, oh, you need glasses, right? It's better than a than a than just a Kindle. I think that 
I think that distra- it's the idea behind single use devices is distraction, right? And how do you prevent distraction? There's two ways. One is through software on like your iPad or your phone, and you can build in restrictions to maybe what you're able to, to see or go to. But I think the benefit of single use devices is it's is it's just focus. So, you know, I don't like on the other hand, re- realistically, I do not really have many single use devices. Am I going out there to buy more single use devices? Am I buying like a CD player? Am I buying, uh, you know, I don't know what what else would be a single use device for for technology, but you know. I'm not doing it, but I, I think if you are really want, if you do really want to focus, I, I see the benefit to it. Um, there might just not be that many use cases for it, I guess. Okay. You kind of made my point. I agree. I think the Kindle is like the only device I can think of where having a single use device makes sense. I want a device that when I'm reading it, which is typically at night before I go to bed while I'm sitting in bed there is no possible way for me to get notifications. It's just not even like, it's not even a software switch that I can, I can apply. It's literally impossible. It's also not going to emit any blue light because that's, yeah. And so there are a lot of benefits to that particular device that I think are fantastic. Um, I can't think of any other example in my life where that would apply. I can't think of, I don't know, in, in general, I find that like my iPhone, it's fantastic that it's not just a phone that can call people, but it's like a really good camera. And I don't have to carry around a second camera with me. Like when I was in the seventh grade and I got a digital camera for my bar mitzvah, I, I I like being able to have multi-use devices and the Kindle is just the one exception that I can think of where I appreciate having a multi-use device over a single use device. And then I, yeah, I'll pause there, but that's how I feel. Yeah. Maybe a watch, if you just want a normal watch that doesn't notify you. Some people like the notifications, I guess. But if you want to just like know what time it is, although yeah. you don't really need a watch to know what time it is because of your phone. But uh, right. so it's really more of like a piece of, it's just like jewelry at this point. It's not really, uh, it's just an accessory. It's not really a function, like it's kind of functional. But uh, if you want to look at the time without like also getting notifications, I guess. So kind of a focus thing. Yeah, I actually, I, so I mostly still wear my Apple Watch, not necessarily because of the notifications, but because I, I like to have something that tells me time and I like to be able to set timers for my wrist. And I think that if you could do those two things, uh, like do time-based things just from a digital device that's on your wrist, I think that I could see working. That has mm-hmm. no connection to your phone. But that would be the one way that I could see a watch working in that way. Right, right. Uh and also, I think that, I mean, there are other benefits to the watches. Like if you don't have an Apple watch, it's usually for uh, flexing or aesthetic generally reasons. But um, yeah, I'm generally pro. Yeah. And I, I don't have an Apple watch. I don't wear an Apple watch specifically because I don't want any notifications. Now, I guess in theory, I could wear it and just completely turn off notifications. Um, that's more appealing to me. And I think the health tracking is is cool. Oh, another single-use device is the um, the Aura Ring. That's a single-use device. Yeah, technically true. Or my Whoop. Like, I still wear a Whoop. Health tracking. My... Health tracking. Yeah, health tracking. Yeah. So we've got health tracking. We've got reading. I think we've come up with two, like, real single-use device devices. Yeah, okay. But just to double down on my point, if 
uh there's no reason that whoop needs to be a single use device like i okay it could yeah. it could be software there's there's no way that whoop has better sensors in their device than apple does there's nothing that whoop captures data wise that apple cannot well, capture the only channel. reason maybe maybe you can make an argument is that it's going to be lighter or smaller in the long run yeah you have to have all the other like apple watch features in it basically fair I'll, I'll present one more benefit to it which is that you never have to take it off like it's designed thoughtfully in a way yeah. where the charging does not require taking it off but right. there's also a world in which apple's like okay like anything you could do i could do better i'm gonna do the same thing and you know what like whoop is just software now we're, we're gonna just bundle that into our device and we're gonna yeah. give you a sleep score and a readiness score and uh you can do with that whatever you will and it's all gonna be on your apple watch and great you can do that or you can keep paying 30 bucks a month for your whoop and mm -hmm. i would totally just use my apple watch and that's it mm. will apple ever create an an apple ring which is health tracking ring like aura i don't think so no let's do it all through the watch it's all through the watch yeah yeah the benefit of the ring is I need to get a new aura ring because mine broke. Mine doesn't work anymore. Mm. Um, I like the fact that it's that like the battery just lasts forever and that's just like yeah. not noticeable basically. Um, yeah. I, I yeah. The issue that I found with the aura ring when I wore it was it's really hard to wear all the time. Like it in theory should be a very good fitness tracking oh. device. It's very hard to lift weights with the aura ring. Yeah, I think people just, I think the main use case that people use is just um, sleep, uh, sure. sleep tracking. Although yeah. it, it was interesting because I was listening to a podcast with the, with actually not the founder, the CEO um, who came on, they have a new CEO recently. And apparently a really big market for them is women who want to track um, ovulation cycles, track, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and apparently it works really well. And um, it's interesting. Yeah. That is really cool. I know that I've seen, reports of them doing that i obviously have not tested it myself but it is cool i agree <laughs> just, just apparently it's a very large market for them hmm, that's crazy yeah and good for them because whoop like there are definitely women especially like crossfit women who use whoop there are a lot of women in my gym if you have it but uh aura is a much more mainstream device yes yeah it is um and it's just marketed completely differently. It's really not a fitness tracker. That's not really what they go for. It's more of a yeah. health tracker. I think their ultimate vision is more like health tracker, like just general yeah. health, which kind of is smart for them from a business standpoint because it's everyone basically, as opposed to only people who are into fitness. It's just different yeah. markets. Totally. I still I struggle to see how a lot of these companies are going to ultimately compete with Apple, but um hmm. They've done what, uh, what about what about everything we just talked about earlier in the episode about how Spotify outcompeted Apple and uh, beat Apple Music? I guess it's possible, but I don't think that you're ever going to beat Apple on hardware is the one thing. And then at that point, it's do you build a better software experience, which I, I totally think that Aura or Whoop could. Um, but I don't know if they're going to get as many people to pay for their service if it's purely software mm. and they're just using Apple sensors. Right. The I'm only, the sure. only, I almost feel like, I feel like Whoop is in a worse strategic position than Aura because at least Aura has a different type of device, and I think there's a use case for it. Whereas, yeah, Whoop is, they're in a much tougher position. I think if if Apple just, if they have a watch that does everything that Whoop does. Yeah, I think that the benefit for Whoop is it's like almost like a cult. Like you are 
when you see people with a whoop on, you kind of assume like, oh, wow, you're an intense athlete. Like there's a brand yeah. to whoop. Right. Yeah. Where, um, whereas Aura, I think, misses <laughs> out on that. And I think that that's honestly a big reason why they keep their own device is because they have this humongous brand power from just seeing this strap on your wrist where everyone who you're like, when you see someone and you have one, you're like, oh yeah, you're part of the trap too, buddy. Yeah. yeah. And that's actually why uh, Andrew and I, Andrew, founder of Train, uh, friend of the pod, um, when he and I were chatting last year, we were talking about ways that you could like build a brand for Train kind of in the same yeah. way that Whoop does. And I think... Th- like one thing we were batting around is could we like have a custom band that is really cool and specifically for train and maybe even has like powers to the band. So instead of it just being like knit material, it could be technologically enabled and allow you to do things through the band that you can not right. just like a knit band. And kind of in the same way where when you see people with that band, you'd be like, oh, wow, you're part of the tribe. And what would that might look like? But I think that Whoop does have this really strong brand power just from the device itself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Um, and yeah, it's maybe, maybe I think, I mean, that's how you compete with Apple, I think is, is the brand at the end of the day. Um, or one of the ways that, that you can. Yeah. Um, I was just looking at the picture of the soul glasses and imagining like being at a coffee shop with the glasses. on. <laughs> just like <laughs> You and I are going to go to a coffee shop together in early 2024, where you have your pros <laughs> and I have my soul readers and <laughs> Uh, too good. Do you have any additional thoughts uh, on the Vision Pro or any updated thoughts now that it's 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 been some time since Apple announced it? Yeah, yeah. I still think it's it's a fantastically cool product. The only thing that's preventing me from getting it is uh, one, the price. I just like don't know if I'm going to spend that much money right after I move to New York. But two, I was thinking about getting one and or maybe even getting two pairs, getting one to buy and getting one to like sell and hold or or getting one to hold on to. Um, kind of in the same way that like a lot of people have been holding on to gen one iPhones. But the one thing that's hard about it is you need to get fitted for it and you need to get custom like specific lenses for it. You can't just buy it directly from the website. You have to actually go in the store and, and uh, set up an appointment to try it on and to get fitted for isn't it. That, isn't that only if you wait, isn't that only if you wear glasses or is I think that it's, I think it's also like you need to set up a fitting appointment in order to buy it. You can't just mm-hmm. buy it on apple.com. Unless I misread that, but I remember the same thought. Like, wait, isn't that only if you have contacts or you need you wear a prescription? And I remember seeing no, it's actually also if you uh, just want to buy yeah, it. Generally. It's going to be a nightmare in the Apple stores. <laughs> yeah, they're actually. It's pretty interesting. They're going through training right now. They're like sending one person per store. To, yeah. Uh, to go and get trained on this, and then report back to everyone else on the store on on how to do this. But early 2024, they're going to be doing all this. That's crazy. Yeah, I think I'm I'm excited. I think yeah, am I gonna get it? I don't know, but technically it can be a business expense, right? It's just like a computer. Yeah, I mean it is. It totally is. Yeah. Well, I would copy. Yeah, interesting. I kind of yeah, I, I definitely want to try it. I think it's gonna be amazing. I do think it's gonna be really good. It's gonna be. I worry that time. it's gonna be too heavy for long term use. Um, in in the first version, but I, I think it's gonna be good. I think Apple's gonna do a good job with it. I'd be pretty shocked if I don't end up having version two. Like if version two of the pro comes out and I don't get it on the first day, I'm going to be pretty there. That's an upset. (laughs) Yeah, it'll be it'll. I think the main thing that will be interesting is, are we going to be 
will people start will we be doing in three years this podcast with vision pros on or like will it be a better experience than us doing it the current way in front of monitors and it might be it definitely might be i think there's a, a real chance it it might be better i'm not sure if the timeline is right but i think the general question of like in the future will it be a better experience is to i think it's undeniably right we've talked about this on the pod too i yeah. think that it's like for me, I think it's just going to be a much more immersive, much better way for me to be able to sit on the couch across from you when we're not in the same city or not in the same room. And yeah. like FaceTime is good, but I think once we experience version three of the Vision Pro or just like the Vision Air or whatever they're calling the Pro version, it's going to be like, wow, that's the Stone Angels. That's crazy. I can't believe we like watch sports on a flat screen I maybe, maybe, the, maybe what people maybe what the winning technology will actually be is instead of having to wear goggles maybe there's just like a little like projector that's like the size of a quarter that you put on your table and then it projects you on like next to me and then it it physically looks like you are there um without having to wear any device you know i'd be curious how our brains perceive the dimensionality of that but yeah like, I think there's something about the fact that you would be proportionally there and with me in person that feels better. And, but I don't know. Oh, it'll definitely be better than being in. in yeah, it, I don't think it'll beat being in person. But would it beat VR is what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't know. Did we ever talk about Humane? Um, I don't know. It sounds familiar. What is it? Okay, so Humane is this company. Oh, wait, go ahead. You, I think that you now that you just googled it and saw it that I didn't even I didn't even google it yet but I think I just go ahead tell me what it is and yeah, yeah. so Humane was this it was started by a couple of former Apple people and they were the creating basically like a new aged device um, and the device itself is a pin that you wear and it projects onto your hand or onto like some solid surface uh, information that you can interact with it can be like a call that you can then like press a virtual button on but they're trying to create basically like the next version of a phone from first principles in their mind. And yeah. I'm actually fairly skeptical that this is going to take off. I heard about it a couple of years ago because Jordan Pascasio, um, who I think we've talked about before, he his fund Next Ventures invested in them. And so when I was talking to him about jobs, he's like, oh, are you interested in this? And I was like, honestly, I don't know anything about like electronic devices. And so it's probably not the right fit, but it sounds cool. And uh, yeah, they've come out with this recently. And I think it just was announced. Yes. Um, so what I thought you were going to say was the the thing that you the pendant that you wear on your neck that like records. Everything. Oh, and, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm, I, I've seen humane. I'm I don't I'm not a believer, honestly. I, I don't I don't see it. I don't really. I don't know. I don't I don't see how that's better than a phone because you have to beat the phone. Right. And, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I also think the recorder on your necklace is stupid also it's a terrible idea <laughs> i agree i totally agree cool for them for trying it but i don't see it yeah not to be a hater i think it's great that yeah. they're trying it but like at the end of the day the phone is great like a physical phone yeah. is, is great and people no matter what like humans are going to continue to try and make something better and see if they can make something better but it's it's not going to be easy and I, I think here's one example that i'll i'll give you and um like like for the longest time apple has been trying to make the ipad uh a laptop and they've been trying to get people to use the ipad instead of a laptop personally i 
never saw the benefit to that. I'm like, the laptop is better. I have a keyboard. Like, yeah. it's not just being a boomer. It's like the keyboard is good. Like it's, it, yeah. it's easy, easy to type. It's very quick to type. It's the yeah. quickest way to get my thoughts from my brain into a, I guess, other than voice, probably voice is going to be a little bit faster, but, yeah. um, but yeah, I think, and today I think people would have predicted five years ago that people are going to use iPads and they won't use laptops anymore. Um, but it hasn't really turned out that way. And I think Apple hasn't been able to make that a thing. And I think most people will agree at this point that laptops are not being replaced by iPads, at least anytime soon, unless Apple change. There's different things Apple could do to maybe make them compete more with laptops, including, I would say mainly the operating system, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so, so I think it's, it's hard to it's not easy to necessarily beat the status quo, especially when the status quo is getting better and better at the same time, right? Like, yeah, imagine if the laptop just gets thinner, thinner, and the battery lasts for five days, and it like it's instant. Everything's instantaneous. Like, there's a lot of things that could get better about the status quo at the same time while there's new technology. So, I don't, it's hard to predict exactly what people will end up using. Yeah, it also takes us back to our uh, Vision Pro reaction episode where we had this discussion. We were trying to figure out like, where does it sit? What, how does it interact with other Apple products? And I think we came to the conclusion, or at least I did, I won't speak for you, that I think the Vision Pro is an iPad cannibalizer and like maybe even a laptop cannibalizer. And I think to your point, like the iPad maybe wasn't the right thing to disrupt the laptop. Because I, I don't think that it was like, I think you're right. I think the keyboard is like the key element there. And the screen wasn't really that different. But I think for the Vision Pro, like I could totally see a world in which uh, I use a Vision Pro instead of an iPad because it's just a better and more immersive device for doing all the things I use my iPad for, which is like watching Netflix, watching YouTube, browsing the internet. And I could also see a world in which it replaces my laptop where instead of having the laptop itself, I have a keyboard and the headset or maybe just like the laptop and the headset. And I use the laptop when I'm at a coffee shop and when I'm at home or in the office or whatever, I'm wearing the headset and I have my laptop and then it's just augmenting that screen with more screens. And yeah. I, can, I can see that being the future, but I, I agree that the iPad wasn't the right thing to disrupt the laptop. I think the Vision Pro could be though. Right. I think that's fair. And that's probably a more realistic version of the future uh, is the Vision Pro basically is replaced Thing, any anytime you would use a monitor, you now don't have a monitor and you have a Vision Pro, right? Yeah. And, and that's probably the most base case realistic vision of the future that I think is actually going to happen for sure. And then yeah. all of the other use cases of, or like, okay, maybe you're also using it to watch a movie. But honestly, even that, like, I don't know if I see people watching movies with other people with Vision Pros on, right? Like, it's kind of a solo activity. So I think, like, to me, what is going to happen is the the monitors. All of the other use cases, uh, I think, is a little bit more up in the air. Like, um, it's it's or or like it's up in the air compared to yeah. I don't yeah. I don't know. It's I think it'll be interesting to see it play out because I think it's an assumption that I have in my head too, but not necessarily a fact that the Vision Pro will not be a multiplayer device. Meaning, like that when you and Sophie are on the couch together and you're watching a movie, that you're gonna prefer to watch. Uh, it, like I could see a world in which you would both prefer to have your own vision pros on and watch a movie together versus having just one TV and sitting in your room. I could see a world in which you're like, oh, wow, this is a much more immersive experience. And this is really cool. 
Yeah, it, I, I think that's possible. Um, if the device gets small enough and, and comfortable enough yeah. and the this the pass through works really, really well and like it, it's 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 possible. Yeah. Yeah, it's Good possible. Yeah. Um all right. Anything else you want to hit? We wanted to keep this so tight. Yeah, we should. We should. Uh, yeah, we're going over. Um, <laughs> all right. I, I have one going and talk rambling for a long time, but I think I have we're... I have one more note here that just says free speech and the role of universities. Do you want to tackle that or do you want to just go to carve out? <laughs> <laughs> Let's go to carve outs. <laughs> wow. I'm so that's a long topic. <laughs> All right, we'll save that for a future episode. I actually do have thoughts on that, and I know you do too. But uh, we will uh, we will just move right along. What do you What do you got? What carve outs you got? Um, oh man, I feel like for the last week, I just oh okay. Here's my carve out. I'm trying. I'm failing actually because as of today, I'm supposed to be on a social media break, but I'm not. Um, so uh, at least I'm trying to minimize or or uh, Twitter because I've just felt like. I mean, obviously, with everything going on in the world, like yeah. you just like I go on Twitter, honestly, normally, like in the like up until now, social media doesn't make me feel bad. Like you hear about that from other people. And I understand that. But for me, my my like Twitter is usually just like technology, like it's it's startups, it's business. It, it It's not it doesn't make me feel bad. Mm-hmm. But recently it's like I leave social Twitter and I just feel awful because it's just like terrible. Yeah terrible sad images that you see there's all sorts of other things that you might disagree with or that are frustrating and make me angry and like it just and you can't you also can't really escape it like i guess i can make like, i don't know you can't escape it i was gonna say maybe like a twitter list potentially but like not not even because everyone's tw- tweeting about it and uh yeah so i don't know it's it's hard because you like i'm like why am i doing this if i just feel bad every time i do it right so yeah. I'm trying to to cut back at least. Um, other carve out is uh, if you want a distraction from Twitter, the Great British Baking uh, Bake Off, the new season came out. Uh, the first episode, very good. So wow. uh, I haven't seen any of it. I need to get that. I need to get on my oh, British Bake Off. Dude, I, I think you would love. I think you would love this show. This this you would, especially because you're into baking. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I would love it. I I think it's probably right in my wheelhouse and i just have not seen it yet so should add it to my list honestly it should be number one on my list it's so good there yeah Yeah. it's so good cool i uh i've gone through phases where i've i I feel very similar to you about twitter and i think for me what i find is like it's such a natural reflex during the day where it feels like like ah like i'm working i shouldn't be going and listening to a podcast or watching youtube i should be going on twitter it feels like more of a little break but the reality is it, it's like no different. There's no functional purpose that Twitter serves that I cannot get from like a podcast. I'd probably learn more from a podcast and enjoy my time more. Um, and I found myself now, whenever I have that craving to go on Twitter, it's usually my cue to be like, all right, Puck, we're going to go for a walk outside. But nice. I feel very similar to you where it's, I just feel like it's not a fun place for me to spend my time right now. It's just so hard to turn away because it's such a reflex to just pick it up. Um, but I wish that it wasn't. Yeah, totally. Um, have you read any? What are your car routes? Have you read anything? Any books lately? Uh, yeah, I've. I think we both read the Elon biography since we yes. last started. Um, I'm in the middle of a few different books. I'm in the middle of the SBF book by Michael Lewis, which yeah, I forgot that I pre-ordered, and then now I'm reading, and actually I'm really enjoying. Um, 
in particular, what I found really interesting about it is the first couple chapters are more about Jane Street and how that high frequency trading firm works and like the interview process and the the culture there. That I thought was like absolutely fascinating. And uh, those couple chapters might be worth the entire price of the book alone, although I'm only 40% in. So don't, I'll, yeah. I'll report back with a more thorough review of it when I actually finish it. Um, there were two other carve outs that I wrote down. One was a podcast episode that I had shared with you from a couple of weeks ago called, uh, it was from Invest Like the Best, and it was the episode with Rick Berman and Paul Boozer. And uh, they have oh, now yeah, since, that to my they've okay. since started their, it, it was like coinciding with them starting their new series on the Colossus family of podcasts, which is Invest Like the Best and Business Breakdowns and a few others um, that uh, I actually have a thought that I want to come back to at the end of this. But where they interview people and they had Ben Gilbert and Dan Rosen, David Rosenthal on from Acquired. And that was a really good yes. episode too. But the Invest Like the Best episode, it was a really thoughtful, really good episode that primarily made me think about something that like, what is my life's work? And what is something that I could see myself doing and compounding for the next 10, 20, 30 years? Um, and how can I take a longer term view of my career and my life? And they they have like this very clear, well, they teach a class on this in Notre Dame, but they have like this very clear vision of like the compounding formula and the uh, time value of money formula, where it's like your principal times one plus the rate of uh, return to raise to the time. And basically their whole thing is compounding is really powerful and not enough people think long-term enough to be able to actually reap the rewards of it. Like Charlie and, and Warren really famously do, but not many people do. And they've really been thoughtful about structuring this new investment company that they've created in a way that would allow them to be able to just compound it over many, many years. And a lot of the life decisions mm -hmm. that they've made have been like things where they invest in people that they've known for like 20 years. And mm -hmm. um, I just really love that ethos of taking a longer term view to life. And it made me reflect a lot on what are things that in 10, 20, 30 years, I think are still going to be true about me and that I'm still going to love. And it was a really fun way to spend my time thinking. The thought that I wanted to come back to, which might be a, a part of a future episode is I feel like there are now a few of these like podcast empires that are empire in, in, in loose quotes uh, that are popping up for business, the business category. There was like Turpentine and now there's Colossus. And there are a few of these bigger brands that are now like um, uh, aggregating different podcasts underneath them. Um, and like the founders podcast is now technically under Colossus. And it's just interesting to think about that. Like, I think that what Patrick O'Shaughnessy is doing with it is really smart. Uh, and I'm curious to see what ends up happening with Turpentine as well. And the next one is more lighthearted. I uh, found a YouTube channel where I've now like binged a lot of the episodes from this guy who's like a male fashion in influencer named Harry Has or Harry Haas. I don't know how to pronounce his last name, uh, but he's, he's pretty cheeky. He's got good style. He's this British guy. And I've uh, been enjoying watching his videos. So I've binged probably like a couple hours of his videos over the past week. <laughs> nice. Is this yeah. just uh, any inspiration for your upcoming shopping spree? Oh, totally. I'm meeting with a personal stylist on Thursday. So I will report back on that as well. Wow. I'm very curious how this goes. Yeah, dude, I'm curious too. I'm very excited for this. Nice. Nice. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Good episode. Good episode today. Yeah, we, we didn't know if we'd be able to fill 45 minutes. Turns out we filled an hour 15. So oh, no, we can we can always fill us. it. Easy. We, oh, we we always fill it. We the boys never fail to fill it. <laughs> All right, man. Talk to you later.
All right. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.